0: Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. Normally, this is your weekly natter all about Fulham Football Club, but given the exceptional circumstances of Fulham in the playoffs, uh, we've made it bi-weekly for the immediate future. Very exciting times for Fulhamish indeed. Uh, You join us at the home of football, the beautiful Craven Cottage. Uh, We're currently sat in the Hammersmith End, uh, recording this preview to the Reading game, which is this Saturday, as the Championship playoffs start in earnest. At five thirty, a tea time kickoff as Fulham look to get their place back in the Premier League. We'll be hosting the Royals of Reading and tonight I'm joined by three nobles of the podcasting world. Farrell Monk is here.
1: Good afternoon everyone. Don
0: Betts is here from the Hello a Hello. While. Yeah, I'll be gone soon. Might need a passport, so <laughs> And Jack Collins. Hello listeners. How are you all doing? How exciting is this? This
1: is beautiful. It's the really nice. pitch the pitch is getting mown at the moment and just think about all of those passes and goals we're gonna see this weekend
0: all those passes that Tom Kenny's gonna make with his left foot.
1: I th- feel like I'm being interviewed by Sean Davis. You know,
2: we used to do these interviews in the Hammersmith End.
0: Oh, he did indeed, he did yeah. indeed. Yeah. Well, um, as I said, that tea time clash is fast approaching. Uh, always great time of day to play football, I always think, Saturday at 5.30. Uh, Farrell, I'll start with you. How do you reckon Saturday's atmosphere is gonna compare with some of the great cottage matches of the past?
1: I think it's gonna be absolutely electric here. Well, I, at least I bloody well hope so. Uh, <laughs> Considering such a huge match it is, um, we've just been talking extensively about the playoffs and, and how excited and our emotions going into this one. I, I, I do I do feel I do feel slightly nervous about it because I I feel like this might be the last chance Fulham will have get a chance to go into the playoffs um, if we don't go through this year for a long long time. So I hope the, the crowd really get behind the boys because they're going to be looking they're going to be looking to us to really going lift them if there are if we are going to get past this Reading team.
0: Uh, Don, we know how much you like an away day normally, uh, but what are your feelings ahead of this big home match on Saturday?
3: I mean, I think the way we played against Reading in both games, and even if you look at the game was postponed, we played relatively well. I mean, I know we lost the away game, but that was because we couldn't take a penalty, as, as always. <laughs> and, um, and, and obviously, in that when we played Reading, we were trying a three-at-the-back system at the time, which never really worked. I think it worked for about a game. So I think if we, just, if we just focus on our game, uh, we can get a comfortable win, I think, 3-1 maybe. Because I think we don't need really to focus on their game as much. We can just play our game. We know we're the best footballing side in the division. So if we just do what we're good at, we should be winning the game quite comfortably on Saturday.
0: Jack, it's a very new experience for us as fans. Fulham haven't been in the playoffs in, well, decades. 20 years exactly uh, but for the lots of the fulham players as well they haven't experienced playoffs obviously not with fulham but not many of them even with their former clubs either uh, sonia Luco may be a small exception to that how do you think they'll be feeling ahead of saturday right now
2: i think it's important to remember that there are a lot of players in this team that well, they haven't played in the playoffs have played in massive matches in their career in, in games with, you know, massive major significances to the teams they've, you know, played. And obviously I'm gonna st- single out Stefan Johansson here who's <laughs> played That's in four old firms and, you know, Scottish Cup Finals, Scottish, you know, League Cup finals. They're big games and big stadiums that bring out the best in big players and you know, Johansson's record in those games is, you know, perfectly, perfectly good, and he's he's always done, you know, reasonably well in those games. So I think it's important to not forget that just because we haven't necessarily been through this exact scenario before, that these players aren't new to big games, and they will have all faced, you know, certain levels of big games. But yeah, there's pressure in terms of it's almost like a mini cup competition and it's a bit odd to start a cup competition in the semifinals, if, if you will, and especially against, you know, teams that you know and play often. So it's an interesting one in, in, in that respect, but I think that ultimately if we're behind everyone at the weekend, and this place really, you know, lifts and really kicks off in the Saturday afternoon sunset by the Thames. Then we are, you know, we're perfectly placed to execute a game plan which has bamboozled a lot of teams this season. And I think that even if something does go wrong, we have the ability to make things happen.
0: And Dom, speaking of game plan, how do you think Slav's going to approach the first leg? Do you think he's going to go for an early goal? Is he going to maybe sit back and soak some pressure for 10 minutes? Or do you think he's going to build on the atmosphere that the Fulham fans are going to create? And he's going to say, go out there, no fear, first 20 minutes and try and blow Reading out the water early doors.
3: I reckon the early goal is something he's going to want to go for just to make everyone sort of relax a bit. Because if... It's a nil-nil at half-time. Everyone's going to be getting quite nervous because a lot of fans want not the ties to be wrapped up. To us, us they're quite a comfortable lead going into the second leg and I don't think away goals count in the playoffs. So it's not like, oh, we need to score like two or three goals ourselves and make sure we don't concede, I think. But I do think we need to start the game on the front foot because sometimes we've sort of kept possession for a while and not actually directly attack the opponent. But I think against a team like Reading, I know, I know they like to have the ball, but they're not just going to sit back. So I think there will be a lot of chances for us to uh, go ahead quite
1: early on. I would, I would expect absolutely nothing less from this Fulham team that we aren't going to go out there and, uh, and go for it. We've seen, especially in the second half of the year, pretty much ever since we pointed out that Fulham don't score in the first half an hour to Fulham scoring in, in the first half an hour for absolute fun. Um, and you can, you can imagine Slavitas going, look, let's play the way that... Uh, we know we can play, where we're going to go out, win the ball as much as possible, get forward as much as possible, get bodies in the box, go for goal as much as possible and get that early goal and get as many goals as possible.
2: Also, Reading are not known for their goal-scoring prowess this season. I know they got four at the weekend, but that was against a Burton Albion side that seemed to already be on the beach. And I think that we will come out as a blitz. And I think that kind of like wide attacking kind of threat that we pose um, especially with the overlap of the fullbacks, is going to be a major feature at the very start of the game and, and onwards.
3: Well, I mean, they've scored less and conceded more than us this season, so there's no reason why there couldn't be a similar repeat of the home game that we had them earlier on in the season. We beat five nil.
0: Although our away record is very, very impressive, we would like to get most of the business done here and then the pressure is off us at the Medeski and that would really suit us actually if we went into the away leg, I know it sounds obvious to say with an advantage because we can then soak up the pressure, hit them on the break and I feel like if we're not chasing the game at the Medeski we're in a really great position then.
1: Uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite good you point that out because Reading seem to have this this odd record well it's not that odd but their record against the, the uh, top six teams is very very wavering at home they tend to sort of win 2-1 3-1 but the away leg they've they've lost four and five nil really I mean Fulham is just one example where we beat them five nil at home and then we lost one nil away Um, I think the only one they actually got a good result against uh, was Sheffield Wednesday when they actually won 2-1 away at Hillsborough whereas even against Huddersfield they I think they lost four nil away from home but won 2-1 at home so I think you hit the nail on the head we want to get this business done early we want to go there with well I mean it's nice to say let's go there with a three nil lead but yes, it would. It, but you would hope to go there with at least a two nil lead because Reading are going they are good at, they are good at home we saw this um when we played them we were in full flow at the time for the the replayed away leg of of the of that game that for large periods of the game and for it was the first time in a long time that Reading actually dominated us and passed it around us even though we were trying to trying to win it back for them. And that's not from Fulham pay, playing badly. That was Reading playing well. Obviously, there were circumstances in the game where we missed a few chances, we missed a penalty, but they had quite a lot of chances. And not just passing around, they they did something that a lot of teams haven't done to us this season, which was pump the ball over the top yeah. for their fast strikers.
2: They, they mugged us off a bit through the middle of that game because we played that odd system, as Don mentioned before, where we were trying that sort of three at the back with the two two flying wing-backs, which actually weirdly enough limited us in terms of our options through the middle um, because obviously the extra player coming out of the attacking thing we looked like we didn't have a pivot in the middle and then we lost kind of our fulcrum and they ran straight through the middle of us a a lot that day and I think that we've learned our lessons from that kind of error yes we've been susceptible to balls over the top and we've been susceptible with them all year and that's nothing new but we look like we're less shaky these days and I think we're going to come out and absolutely dominate on the weekend.
0: Right, well, we're gonna hear a little bit more about Reading in just a moment. Uh, Dom has got to leave us. Uh, He has to get a new passport. For reasons that I'm not going to quiz you on, I'm sure you've got your genuine motives for off to get a new passport. Yeah, I'm going on holiday next Friday, so that might help.
1: (laughs) I thought you needed a new passport for Reading. You don't need that, by the way.
0: (laughs) You've done so many aways this season that your passport's got full of stamps. Yeah, (laughs) everywhere. What's your prediction uh, ahead of uh, not just this game, but also Tuesday's semi-final as well before I head off. I think Saturday, it's going to be
3: a tough game. A lot tougher than the home game was here earlier in the season. But I think if we go out, not all guns blazing to an extent, but go out and attack Reading in the first 20 minutes, half
0: an hour, I think we can get a comfortable win here. And I'm going to predict 3-1 to Fulham brilliant well uh, as i said we will touch much more on reading in just a moment with a big preview of them but first let's hear uh, from a guy called ali he runs the not the top 20 podcast which is an absolute essential uh, for you you must be subscribed to not the top 20 podcast it's an absolute brilliant listen uh he offers a bit more of a neutral perspective on the playoffs uh, and Jack and I started off by asking him if he'd have been surprised to see this playoff lineup when the season started.
4: I'm very surprised, to be honest with you guys. Uh, there were a number of quote-unquote big teams coming down from the Premier League. There were also quote-unquote sleeping giants lurking in the Championship already, <laughs> who we thought might sort of crack on. And I, I'm not going to pretend that we predicted what's. Come from yourselves, your good selves in Fulham, and also from Reading. In fact, in our pre-season previews, we had both of you firmly in the bottom half. Um, it it seems ridiculous now, given what's happened over the last nine months. But you know, maybe it was a bit maybe it was a bit basic of us. But we looked, we saw the, the departures of McCormack and Dembélé, and as so many have said over the last nine months, we we didn't see this transformation. We didn't predict quite how much of an effect Jokanovic would have on the playing style and how much of an effect these fairly unknown signings, I'm sure you guys will agree, um, you know, particularly from what we were told was a data driven approach. You're never quite sure how that's gonna go in this <laughs> yeah. English championship where anyone can beat anyone and you've got to know the league, etc. Um, so certainly from Fulham's point of view, very surprised from Reading's point of view, hugely surprised. Who knew? what to expect from yapstan we knew what he was like as a player i don't think how many i don't think we could have predicted what he's been like as a manager and of course um who else have we got well we've got sheffield wednesday not such a surprise and huddersfield town now i will take some credit with that george and i my co-host on not the top 20 we we were impressed with the work that david wagner had done in in the second half of last season and we were impressed with the moves that they had made Over the summer, although again Fairly unknown, unproven Championship players, they'd gone for um, High character guys A lot of defenders from Germany Which we decided was a good thing And has proven to be, so all in all Uh, Very, very surprised. I have to say,
2: I think it's something interesting in in what you said. The two surprise packages in in that respect being Fulham and Reading, who play extremely different styles of football. And you know, it's it's interesting to kind of consider that. You know, some people say, "Oh, the Championship. There's there's one way of doing it," or you know, the the way of doing it is bringing in those kind of you know players that have done it before. And you know, you can see that in Sheffield Wednesday's approach a bit. You know, the likes of. Rhodes and, and Winnell, who was obviously banging in goals at this level, but Fulham and Reading as surprise packages are two very different teams stylistically, and both have, have done very well and, and themselves, you know, rightful places in these top six.
4: I mean, definitely. I think actually what's most exciting for me about this whole playoff uh, few weeks is is that all four teams have very definitive and different styles, and, and you know, Fulham fans are, are clearly enjoying what Slavica Jukanovic has put in place there. And actually the rest of the league has slowly but surely come around to to grudgingly accepting quite how good the football's been. Um, and Reading, in their own way, in the is in it, is it a sort of Dutch style of play. Is it a little bit Spanish based on ball retention? Um, it's, it's certainly not something we've seen very much at this level before. Uh, Huddersfield, with David Wagner, came in with the... I mean maybe it's a bit reductive just to shout Gagan pressing, but, you know, it's not completely off the mark. A very a very high intensity style play from them and pressing high up the pitch, trying to win the ball there. And then Sheffield Wednesday, much more despite their foreign manager of a of a standard English football league team, I would say. A team based on experience and and strength and uh, essentially a four four two, which uh which compared to the other teams in the playoffs seems a, a little bit sort of uh, a little bit standard, but has, has worked for them very well with the players that they've got. So you're absolutely right. It's, that's what's most exciting for me about the, the, the upcoming playoffs is the difference of styles shown by all teams.
0: And how surprised were you, Ali, about Leeds dropping out of the playoffs? I mean, what a dreadful run in April they had. And I know all the teams in the playoffs have uh, enjoyed it quite a lot to see uh, their demise, but it's been Quite unbelievable for a team that was so solid throughout the rest of the season to see them drop. Was it four? They only got four out of eighteen in April.
4: Yes, absolutely. And you know, from from your point of view as Fulham fans, I can't remember the exact points difference, but I believe you made up eleven or thirteen. Yeah, eleven points. points. Uh, eleven points over lead since that last international break, and it sounds like a lot but even before then we were talking about Fulham as the team who were lurking as the team who were who were sort of the sharks really circling underneath any team that were going to drop out and actually you know I've been I don't really want to bad mouth Leeds I think they massively overachieved and I don't think that certainly the manager Gary Monk should should be in any way um, disparaged for for falling slightly below the standards that he set himself at club who had previously had very low standards at management level and low standards at playing level as well. Um, what I've been most impressed about, if anything, uh, looking at the positives, which I tried to, is the fact that we all thought Reading were going to fall away. They ended up finishing third, you know, with this <laughs> very strange season that they've had, constantly being told that, but they don't necessarily deserve to be there by by ourselves as well on our podcast. And I'm sure by a number of opposition teams and fans who have just been baffled by how Reading continued to pick up points, Uh, but they have done uh, and Huddersfield as well. There were wobbles there. Sheffield Wednesday, they didn't really seem to click until the last 10 games of the season. So yes, to an extent I was surprised about Leeds, but we always knew that you guys were lurking. And I think that, you know, what's more, what's more surprising to me was that it was only Leeds, if you will, who really fell off a cliff. Because there's always going to be teams like that every season who overperform and through inexperience, through injuries, whatever Leeds' excuses are, you know, it's always going to happen. And, and, and thankfully for fans of good football, uh, it was your good selves that, that punched your way in in the end. I was on
0: um, BBC Berkshire earlier, I know, mic drop, uh, talking (laughs) to some Reading fans, and they were very aggrieved at how their team seems to have been underestimated in the playoffs and how everyone's writing them off, and they did seem a little bit bitter about it. But I've listened to you guys speak about reading and we've also spoken about how reading have overachieved and i know jack you've mentioned it a couple of times well it was the point
2: and i was i was talking actually on twitter to to george about this uh, at the weekend because he was it was someone saying oh statistically you know statistics mean nothing but uh, you know ultimately like if you look at those the performance indicators and reading aren't you know the, the team that should be, you know, statistically where they are. And yet they seem to be. And there was a lot of sort of debate over whether can you be lucky for, you know, an entire 46-game season? And and the kind of general consensus is no. But, you know, everything statistically screams that Reading shouldn't be have won as many games as they have.
4: I sort of stand in between all of this. George is very much... The numbers, man, between us, and I am a, a subscriber to it as well. I love the work done by, for example, Ben Mayhew yeah. of Experimental Three Six One, who does an incredible job, sort of gathering football league data when no other major company is really doing it. And he, he's released a lot of stuff over the last twenty-four hours, um, you know, in response to the end of the championship season. And uh, and in talking about Reading, he you know he says himself, this is incredibly rare. You don't see teams sustain what is essentially bottom half shot data, I guess if, if you wanted to give it a specific name. Yeah. But he also does recognise, and I think this is worth mentioning as well in their defence, is that there are, you know, only the the only the real data heads, you know, swear by it one hundred percent. And then says you know, he says himself there are other ways where where teams can can beat the data, so to speak. It's incredibly rare and that's why we've been probably too negative about Reading, the third place team, let's not forget. Um, he said, you know, it's possible that that they have been incredibly well-drilled, that they are incredibly well-organised and disciplined, and that has helped them. Um, he said that, uh, well, we've mentioned before that one of the things that can, again, sort of beat the shot data is players with, uh, with exceptional skill in, in certain regards. And, you know, the Reading fans have have been shouting about how, uh, what is it, form is temporary, class is Kermelgant. And (laughs) while it it sounds ridiculous, because Jan Kermelgant, he's nothing new. We've seen him in the Football League for years, but it seems like this season uh, he's really taken his game to the next level. And it is true to an extent, if we're talking about numbers, that they win a lot of games by one goal a lot of times the goal is scored by Gantt And it's things like heathers, it's things like high-difficulty shots from outside the box, free kicks, these sort of goals that he's been scoring. And then, of course, there's a huge amount of luck involved as well. But, you know, I think that's the whole point of football, isn't it? It would be crazy if their fans were saying oh gosh how have we got to third place you know you've yeah. got to you've got to believe in yourself and, and actually another interesting thing about this playoff picture is that every team is trying to claim themselves as underdogs no one wants to be known as the favorites and uh, and reading are going to try and use that as a tool to to motivate themselves just as a quick one you
2: know we've seen ac- across the the data that Reading especially have have won a lot of games at home by you know a single margin, mm. and their record against the top twelve is is away from home is dreadful. Um, mm. But Fulham's away record is far superior to their home record, mm. and I think it makes it interesting. We were going to discuss what kind of is it an advantage to be playing away second almost because that's where you know Fulham's best performances of the season have come.
4: I think for I think for Fulham, really you've got such a you've got such a way of taking the game to the opposition that, you know, without, obviously I'm not a football manager and and perhaps this is naive, but I think you've got to back yourselves both away from home, given your very good um, performances this season and also at home, because even if your, if your home results have been slightly less or slightly worse than your away results, you've still got to think, you know, that that has to be an advantage in some extent. And uh, that's what I think is interesting. You're right. Reading's, away from home and their record away from home against the big teams this season is i mean it's sort of exceptional in how bad it's been and unfortunately i haven't yet had the hours to to research previous teams perhaps who have made the playoffs while basically beating everyone in the bottom half home and away but with this terrible record that they have against the top half and it would be interesting to see if, if if anyone can research that how they tend to end up doing. And, you know, the assumption would be probably not very well. In terms of home uh, and away advantage, I think it's very difficult to say, isn't it? I mean, set pieces in the playoffs, that's a big thing for me. And whether you're home, whether you're away, if if you can produce a good delivery in the first half hour of any playoff game first leg, uh, a nick a goal, then then none of that particular oil. Well, it, it changes everything. So uh, I'm not going to stick my neck out on the line and say that that that's going to make a, a huge deal. But of course, they do have a they do seem much more comfortable at home.
0: Probably a shrewd move there, Ali. So I'm going to get you though to stick your neck out a little bit. But first, I'm going to go to the other semi-final in the playoffs. Uh, Huddersfield facing Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday have the second leg at Hillsborough, who do you think is more likely to come through out of those two and book themselves a place at Wembley to face hopefully Fulham or maybe Reading?
5: This is a
4: fascinating one, really. Uh, as I said, this is two teams with very different styles. Uh, two, Sheffield Wednesday won both of the matches in this sort of regular season and come in on really hot form with experienced pros, with experience of reaching the playoff final last year and, and the sort of motivation, I suppose, that comes with with trying to right some wrongs from that. And Huddersfield, a team that we have, well, that we've really loved, had a real soft spot for all season. Um, I think their poor form going into the playoffs is... Possibly slightly overblown. Uh, we all know about the the rotation scandal, rotate gate, um, <laughs> and um, and I, I don't. I'm not going to put a huge amount of of importance on the various teams' form heading into this. I do think, however, that there's an interesting thing to look at when it comes to the playoffs. When it comes to, it's not a shootout, but it is two games and then one game, and I think that there is something to be said for strength of. Character in inverted commas, all these sort of intangibles. And um, there's just something about that Sheffield Wednesday team, whether or not they play the best football, that that says to me they have the options in attack, they have the experience in midfield. Barry Bannon is a player that I think has been one of the best in the league this season, and they have the experience at the back as well. I do feel that Sheffield Wednesday will be making the player final again.
2: Their array of attacking talent is is, is somewhat exceptional for for, for this level, and, and the six they have up front is, is potentially one of the scariest things I think about the playoffs. But well, if we're going to give you a, a get stick neck out again, Ali, Fulham or Reading?
4: It's Fulham for me. Uh, it, it's very difficult unless you're trying to be obviously controversial or you are a Reading fan <laughs> to 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 say anything different. I genuinely believe that I have reservations about the way that Fulham set up and the way that they play uh, and I'm sure you guys have been over it before because there was a reason you didn't make the playoffs until late on in the season. There were some teething yeah. issues and the the way that those centre-backs get isolated at the back, you know, when, when there's quick counter-attacks yeah. really does worry me. Luckily and happily for you, unless something drastic happens, Reading are not a team who have been uh, proponents of quick counter-attacking football, uh, you know, such that I think would hurt you. I just think that the the numbers that you guys have going forward is completely overwhelming and bamboozling to opposition defences. And I think that you also have better individual players than Reading. I think in this type of game, that's what makes the difference. And I expect to see, as boring as it is, picking the two favourites, Fulham play Sheffield Wednesday at Wembley,
0: and what day that'll be? On Monday, the twenty ninth. Well, hopefully uh, for Fulham that is the case. Although I'd quite like Huddersfield in the final, if I'm being truly picky. But to be honest, <laughs> I just take Fulham uh, being there. Ali, uh, can you let anyone know uh, about your podcast? Because for me, it's an essential listen uh, as a football league fan, and I'm sure it will be to everyone uh, that listens to Fulhamish as well.
4: Yeah, well, mate, we certainly think so. Um, we're uh, we're trying our best to bring the EFL sort of uh, as a as a as a general three leagues, not just focusing on individual teams. uh, We try and bring it the, the exciting coverage that we think it deserves. Having, having lost, we are going up, which was previously a fantastic podcast. Uh, We are not the top 20 pod. Uh, We can be found on Twitter at entity 20 pod and on SoundCloud and iTunes and all the usuals. The most exciting thing uh, for fans who might be listening and, and want a little more, as I say, general view of things, but you can, you can, you can subscribe because to, well, sometime this week we will have our own playoff preview podcast. Uh, we've got exciting guest Tom Barkley, who's a reporter.
0: Oh, I know Tom, yeah. he's a nice guy.
4: Yes, very very nice guy, and Richard Foster, who quite literally wrote the book on the playoffs. So we'd be very grateful for anyone to tuning into that, and we hope and think that we'll have a very interesting preview podcast up.
2: Brilliant. Well, we're sure that most Fulham fans will be, you know, keenly excited for for any playoff previews they can get their hands on, Ali. So thank you very much for coming on with us.
4: No problem. Thank you for having me, guys. Take it easy.
0: You're listening to the Fulhamish Podcast. We're live here at Craven Cottage. Thank you to Ali for speaking to Jack and I earlier this week. Uh, interesting, he went for a Fulham Sheffield Wednesday final in his prediction. Uh, I don't know if he was just playing to the home crowd. Playing to the crowd,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, spoke a lot of sense, though, and I think sums up what a challenge this playoff's going to be and just what an amazing occasion these four semifinals plus the final are going to be to watch. The, the eyes of the world is actually going to be on it, which is quite crazy to think when you've been in the championship and the pressure is off in that kind of sense, often.
1: I saw a funny tweet earlier this week that was uh, that went along the lines of the next two weeks is where a lot of Premier League fans bec- suddenly become experts on the championship. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, well
0: I guess I remember watching the playoffs when we were in the Premier League and it was, it was always something that I took great interest in. So but I never thought actually Fulham would ever be in it because obviously we we're just in the Premier League. So it's it's crazy to be here now, but a lot of fun. This is when it's fun to be a football fan, isn't it?
2: <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe enlighten that with a touch of the old ecstasy and the heartbreak in in this one. And I think it's there was a there was quite a good advert on about how it was three three heartbreaks and one ecstasy earlier in the week. And I was like, that is really hard. There are three quite good sides here who are going to fail it, and you know the. Slavisa said, he was like, as simple as that we've got a one in four chance. There's, not, there's no favourites, form goes out the window. This is a cup draw. And, you know, it's one of those things where we now have to perform to the levels we've been performing at. And we've seen Fulham, you know, not perform in the games that we needed them to perform in before. It's not something that, you know, I'm 100% sure is going to happen. We watched those Wolves and Blackburn games, and yes, we were tired, and yes, There were lots of games building up to it. And yes, there are mitigating factors.
1: But ultimately, we didn't play well enough in those two quite crucial games. conversely, though, I would say that, yes, there there were those two games where we didn't perform to our full potential for those reasons. We're not entirely sure. But many other occasions in the last four or five months, we have totally risen to the occasion in massive crunch points. I mean, when you look at that Newcastle away game where we were kind of oh, this can go either way absolutely blitz them absolutely blitz them tore apart the team who were runaway leaders at that point yeah. before Brighton came back at them and but i do i do i've got to you know it's not a foregone conclusion at the moment
0: and every team that we're facing in the playoffs or that are in the playoffs have all had horrendous performances in the last few months. Uh, You might say, oh, maybe not Sheffield Wednesday, but it wasn't that long ago. They lost to Brentford 3-1 at Hillsborough in in a terrible performance Mm. and one of really poor run of form. So we can't beat ourselves too much.
1: I think that, that. I think that, um, sorry, I believe that a lot of people will focus purely on our form and our form does say that in the last three months that we've got 39 points from a possible 48 or how many how many points we've actually got and we're 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 the leaders in that sense and I think Reading are out of the top four actually bottom of that table on 30 points Um, but they're not up up in third by accident by any stretch of the imagination when I have seen Reading this season they have been a bit up and down but that's not to say they are a good team and they had, did only finish outside the automatic promotions by not a huge, not yeah, a huge end, long way. Yeah. But I think one of the important things
2: to remember is that every fan of these four teams is going to quietly fancy their chances. You know, there's, there's, there's all very well and good saying, oh, I don't think Fulham are going to win. But everyone kind of fancies it, if, if we're honest. But if you're a Reading fan, you're saying everyone's written us off all season. You know, we've been lambasted by many people who have said we don't play good football, you know, we're not a good side, we don't deserve to be where we are. They were like, we're here for a reason. And they'll, mm. they'll believe that, that that reason, that quiet confidence is what's going to carry them in. Huddersfield started the season unbelievably and we know that when they play, they can really play. And if you're a Huddersfield fan, all you need you need to say is, look, if this team turns up for three games, you know, the likes of Casey Palmer, Izzy Brown, they turn up on mm. a game. They're going to tear anyone's defense up like a new one because they're unbelievably talented players. And. You know you could say the same for Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday, I think are probably my slight favorites if i if I'm perfectly honest with you, I think their experience, combined with the fact that they got to a playoff final last year and they've experienced the kind of agony of it already, makes them kind of the the team that's to team to beat as such. So I think you know Huddersfield could do us a favor
1: that'd be nice, yeah, and going back to Wednesday that I, I've got to agree with you out of the out of the teams you know if you look apart from Fulham they like, they're the team that I would point out the ones I didn't want to face, but you know, we're, if we do get through, it's likely that we will end up facing Wednesday. No disrespect to Huddersfield, but going, you know, they did lose that, that playoff final, and they managed to keep a lot of their big players. But much of the squad is the same. You know, bar the odd player here and there that they've picked up, but much of the squad is the same. So that team have got proven um, pedigree. Pedigree, thank you. That team have got proven pedigree, getting to a playoff final. Easy for you to say. <laughs>
0: Um, well, let's move on to the much-debated uh, Reading FC. Uh, they stand in our way of Wembley under the guidance uh, of Yap Stam, and Yank Morgan has been their standout goal scorer. I really liked that line from Ali we just heard. What is it?
2: It's form is temporary. Class is Kermagan. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is better i mean it's a great line you can't deny it that. it's a
2: great line i just I, I i liked kermigan at charlton when he was there and <laughs> we've now changed did. his name haven't we <laughs> everyone it calls him commodian is it actually come again i've always well i'm gonna stick with it. I've, that's always how i've called him <laughs> i'm gonna go with it um i liked him at charlton i thought he was a handful there and he's you know proved at reading one of the things about him is his like a chance to like difficult chance ratio of scored is is unbelievable, it's it's madness. He puts the ball away from really, really tricky positions. Mm. And I know we're sort of just going over the same ground as Ali to a point, but that makes him an extremely dangerous opponent because Mm. it means that you can't give him a yard uh, because you know, yeah, he might not be the most like, you know, prolific striker in in the division or or anything close to it. But actually the amount of goals he's scored from the chances he's been given are high and it means that there is absolutely no room for manoeuvre when it comes to, you know, Ream and Callas making any sort of mistakes.
0: There's a gap in the market for a new Kevin Phillips in the playoffs, isn't there? Maybe at 35, Yanka Morgan could, could fill that and <laughs> yeah. uh, grab playoff it's, winning it's, goals.
1: He's like the anti-Moussa Dembele, who would have loads and loads of chances to score and would only score the tap-ins.
0: Yes, he's exactly the opposite of that. (laughs) How will Reading approach the game then? Do you expect them to hold tight and hope they can finish this job at the Medeski? Surely that's what they'll be thinking. But then again, the whole cup factor Mm. comes into it, doesn't it?
1: We've got to remember that Reading are probably going into this game thinking that Fulham are the underdogs and Reading are the better team considering if you look at the, the actual positions in the, in the league and
0: well, they seem to be very very worried about us you should have heard that uh, BBC Berkshire show I was on on Monday that was all they were talking about was if we've got to win it we've got to beat the best blah 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 blah, blah. from what I heard Reading fans do seem genuinely concerned and you'll hear that from Harvey later as well
2: I watched an interview yesterday with uh, Liam Moore he yep. a Reading centre half.
0: I've always been a big fan. Yeah, he is. We he, were linked with him when Leicester were in the championship yeah. it was the season that we were coming down. I thought he would have been a good signing. Yeah, he seems
2: like a pretty, you know, a decent centre half. And he said he was talking about the five 0 and he was like, look, that day we weren't playing particularly well. He's like we had a couple of players out injured, there was a couple of suspensions. He's like, we didn't play well, we didn't show what we could do. He's like, yeah, we beat them at home. He's like, but that doesn't really matter either. He said, we've got to come into this thinking that we can win. And if we don't do that, there's no point us even turning up. And he was like, there is a quiet confidence in the camp that, that that we can we can do this. He's like, but it's going to be a case of shutting Fulham down and making sure that we manage them appropriately.
0: Uh, when Fulham did beat Reading 5-0 back in December, though, it, it was a, a pretty exceptional afternoon. It really set the tone, I think, uh for much of the season that we can really beat some top sides in the division what did fulham do that day that they should try and repeat on saturday
1: i hate chris martin <laughs> 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 i'm sure we'll come on to that in a bit but personally i just think that we our identity was starting to click at that point and we totally shocked a reading team who were a good on good form at that stage they were third or fourth at the time and i think they probably had a a very good start to the season and they just weren't ready for how good Fulham could have been that day and it was kind of a shock to the system and we only played them uh, like six or seven weeks after that and they were ready for us at that point so hopefully that they've forgotten how good we are.
0: Exactly. It was
2: slightly, you know, I was taking the mix to a point when I said Chris Martin there, but there is there is a point to be had that it was at that time that these players, like Martin and Johansson, really got their first runs into the in the first eleven, and you know Johansson made his full debut three weeks before that in the five nil win at Huddersfield. Mad. And. And then he played in that Reading game and was you know, exceptional, as was Martin in his hold-up play. And we really started to play to people's strengths yeah. rather than their, you know, to just trying to use Kearney or just trying to use you know, the, the width and pace of Aite and Aluko. And, and I think that it's important to remember that when we play really well, all the parts of the side function together as a cohesive whole. And it's not about whether Tom Kearney has a good day at the office. Tom Kearney had a great day against the, at the office against Leeds, and we drew one all. Right, And yeah. and it's very important to remember it's the, it's the rest of the team as well that, that completely need to click if we are to blow sides away, like we did at Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for making sure that we're all in the right mindset, and it's, there's no sort of hint of you know negativity in the crowd. That day, We you know we didn't... We, did, we, we played well to begin with and we got off to quite a good start, but there was no there was no pressure on us, there was no expectation from the crowd. So it was one of those games that we really sort of enjoyed at the Cottage. The and game did
0: also really change on its head when Reading went down to ten. It was only, I think, 1-0 at yeah, that
2: stage. and they scored an own goal. It was a bit of a random own goal from Chris Gunther, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes. <from it>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh was, my he, god he, he yeah he yeah. the ball his own net. I think it came off the top of his head. Oh uh, sorry headed the bus, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, really bizarre. Um so Great there was finish. one of those points where it took a while to break down and it did only open up once
1: Reading went down but there was But no there were there were so many Fulham had so many chance it could have it wouldn't have flattered us if we went into half time at 10 nil up. Like Reading it was a mixture of Reading not being at the races and Fulham being absolutely flying.
0: Well Ryan Fredericks uh Speaking of tearing someone a new one, uh, gave Jordan Jordan Beater Beater, the worst afternoon (laughs) of his life, Uh, and he also did uh, very much the same in the first half of the postponed game at at the Medeski. Seemed like Reading learnt their lesson though for the third game, and actually Ryan Fredericks was fairly ineffective that night. Well,
2: he was also out of position, so there's there's something to be said for that. But I don't, if I remember correctly, Beater didn't play directly opposite fredericks in the third game no. i think they switched out and played someone else in that role who managed to Which uh, i
0: think a beta might have been injured actually that rings Remember, a bell wasn't he suspended yes he was he, he was, was suspended he got two yellow he got cards
2: himself, he got himself a 90th yes. yellow card so he didn't have to play yeah. ryan fredericks again yeah. Smart we, move. Made,
0: we made that joke at the time didn't yeah, we I, yeah it. i'm repeating um <laughs> We can recycle content, Jack. It's the end of the season. It's been a long one. We've done a lot of episodes. You can recycle the odd joke every now and then. And
1: if we don't go up, we're going to have to recycle a lot more next season Yeah, as exactly. Well, You're going to hear the mostly same. Mostly the match reports. So imagine <laughs> match
0: reviews. Well, You're going to hear the same old stuff next season if we don't go up. Uh, so uh, the other day, uh, Yapstam, quite surprisingly, said in his press conference, uh, he doesn't know if he'll be at the club next season, Premier League or otherwise. Quite strange that he'd have said that before. Such a big game. I think if that had been Slavisi Jokanovic, we'd have been fuming.
1: Maybe you looked at Steve Bruce last year at Hull because he pretty much did exactly the same thing this wow. time last year before the playoffs, and they went up, and then Steve Bruce left.
0: Yeah, Steve Bruce was good to his word though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did
2: actually just leave. I think he's heard that the Barcelona job's on the line. If you can, if you can listen to what Reading fans are saying about Yap Stam, apparently he's <laughs> going to get the Barcelona job. <laughs>
0: Uh, but both teams on good form. And we mentioned this on Monday's episode, Reading a top of the form table for the last 10, Fulham a top of the form table for the last 8.
2: Everything else.
0: 8, yeah, 6, exactly. 12, 15, yeah. 25. Um, but I mean, we've kind of said it, but statistics can only point to so much in this game. It's who has the bigger bottle on the day well, for a lot of it
2: or as Liam Moore said yesterday who has the bigger balls and he went oh, c- c- can I say that <laughs> and they were like yes yeah, alright Liam say whatever you want mate <laughs> <laughs> we have editing
0: yeah. <laughs> it'll be okay but there was a very interesting article I posted it on the Fulhamish podcast Twitter uh, I think it was yesterday now uh, by 442 and all the statistics about the playoffs it was a really really fascinating read and in summary it seemed to say that actually good form into the playoffs doesn't count for too much nor does past record Uh, both of those things kind of balance themselves out i know maybe on aggregate fulham have a better record this season against reading but it's one win each Um, but what actually really really um, looks good statistics-wise for Fulham is that teams that burst into the playoffs late tend to have a really good record uh, in the playoffs and I can't actually remember the other statistic that was in there as well.
1: It was uh, the results against the other, That's other teams. It. The
0: uh, results against the other teams in the playoffs, generally if you have a good record against those teams, uh, that often bodes well into the playoff campaign and again, Fulham have a very, very good record uh, against the teams, well, in in the entire top six, uh, excluding Brighton.
1: Yeah, um, so I think that I was looking at this yesterday as well and Fulham are, against the other five teams in the top six, Fulham have the best record with, I think, 19 points gained, but very, very close behind us, Reading with 17 points.
0: Wow, that's amazing, given how poor they've been in so many of those games. I know, it's
1: amazing. They've won pretty much every single game at home and lost every single game away, quite convincingly. I mean, the Fulham 5-0 is their worst, but then they've lost away at Huddersfield like 4-1. The only one that I think they actually won against Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday. Interestingly, Fulham and Reading are the only two teams
2: of the playoff four that have won against every other team in the playoffs this season.
1: Hmm. Mm. It's it's, It's... it's to too me, close yeah, to call. It's court. too close. I mean, the, the, Huddersfield are so, and if you just look at that, mm-hmm. you would think they're a poor team because I think they've only picked up eight points or something, you wow. know, which is quite low when you think about it. Um, but then they are no mugs after all. I, I you know, it, and it did say in that, it did say in the article above all those other things. The the one one defining overall statistic was that the team that finishes third twice as many times than the other teams, they go they go up.
0: Yeah, it's a huge um, psychological advantage, I think, and it's definitely a myth that it's not an advantage to a a finished third. Uh, It's actually one of the questions that I asked Harvey McMillan, uh, who is a Reading fan. We've had him on Fulhamish podcast uh, before, lovely bloke. Uh, I started off by asking him, though, uh, what Reading's record in the playoffs is like.
5: Not fantastic, to be honest with you. Uh, We've relied on going up automatically, We've gone up to the Prem before. Swansea, we lost to um, 2011, I think it was. I should really know. But, yeah, we lost to Swansea. And then we've we've had a couple of stints uh, in the playoff semis where I know we lost to Burnley in the past as well. So, I mean, the playoffs aren't our normal way of going up. In fact, I can't remember the last time we did go up via the playoffs, if we ever have don't think we even have so um, yeah play- playoffs aren't our preferred choice of escalation through the through the football pyramid.
0: So being third place in the table, uh, it's a bit of a myth that it's a bit of a poison chalice entering the playoffs in third place. There's lots actually lots of statistics that prove actually you have more of an advantage at finishing third. But are reading fans worried about the pressure of being the top team going into the playoffs as far as the table is concerned.
5: Um I wouldn't say we were we were worried at the fact we finished third. I mean we're very proud of the fact we finished third and we we can't Believe it you know we're pinching ourselves with the third best team in the championship um the main issue with with finishing third is the fact we've got you as a result um, fulham is Fulham is the team we didn't want um you know of the three that are there you're in form um we're also in form it's going to be a fantastic game but i I really do think the winner of our game will be the team that go up. Um, so that that Fulham game is a really tough one. And we were partly hoping that we'd end up with, with Wednesday or Huddersfield. But, but that's the way it goes. But in terms of a, a disadvantage in finishing third, I wouldn't call it that at all. And, you know, we finished third. We deserve it. And we're very, very happy that we finished there
0: you were really on great form, ending the season. You've got the best record in the last ten games uh, this year. What's that been down to? This run at the end of the season that's defied the odds. Because I think lots of people thought that you were going to be the team that tripped up going into it. this final furlong.
5: Yeah, and I think I think that's part of the reason why we didn't. When you get a lot of people writing you off, saying, "Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna bottle it. They'll be the team that bottles it in the playoffs, etc." I think when a team's hearing that, and certainly a team like Reading, who have been absolutely built on character um, by Yapstan, it, it makes the team even, even more, you know, want to push and make sure that that doesn't happen. You know, we want to prove the people wrong. We have done, and it's great. And, and what's, what's interesting, as you said, is the fact that we are, you know, if there was a table made for the last 10 games, we'd be top, you'd be second. So you know, it, it does go to show it's been a very good end of the season for both sides, which I think is why it's going to be a really, really interesting playoff semi between between us lot and you lot. What are the
0: key players then for Fulham fans uh, to watch out for on Saturday and Tuesday? Everyone's talking about Yank Morgan. He's the uh, main threat, right?
5: Yes, yeah. He's just he's been in a couple of Championship team of the seasons I've seen on Twitter. It's fantastic. I mean, he scored eighteen goals for us. Um, we haven't had a player score that that many goals in years. I think Lafondre was the last and he <laughs> scored fourteen, wow. and that was about about four years ago or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been really, really fantastic this season. He was a bit off the ball last season, um, but this season, change man, loads of goals. His form in recent games has been fantastic, which is great because you want your striker in form, especially going into games like this. Um, Paul McShane is back in training. He travelled with the squad to Burton. Um, be fantastic if we can have him in the playoffs because he really is a—he's you know—he's our leader. He's a fantastic player. And then you've got people talking about the 5-0 over at Craven Cottage. Okay, fair enough, but we had players missing there. Liam Moore, again, one of our best players this season. Him, Jan Kermigan and Ali Al-Habzi were our three shortlisted for Reading's player of the season. Al-Habzi won it uh, because he is absolutely amazing uh, for the second season in a row. And then Liam Moore, Jan Kermigan, both really, really strong seasons from them. And they're definitely players to watch out for.
0: You mentioned the 5-0 and you mentioned that uh, a few Reading players were missing from that day. But do you think psychologically that will have an effect on some of the Reading players? Also the 4-2 going into last season, uh, they'll turn up at the cottage and they'll be thinking, this isn't a place we like to go. How important do you think that will be? Or do you think that it's a cup shootout. It's a straight shootout the playoffs and the players won't have that in their minds.
5: I'd say the latter. Uh, I just don't think... I mean, when you think of Yapstam, you just don't really think of emotion, do you? You think of... <laughs> well, you certainly don't think of worrying and, and and I think that's something you'll absolutely, you know, instill into the team. Um, OK, we've, we've had a couple of bad results. Last season, I wouldn't count that. You know, different manager, different squad, different set of players. Um, this season... Yeah, we had players missing missing out, you know, and it was a poor result. But then we lost 7-1 to Norwich, and we were 6-1 down at half-time. But since that game, we've we've won four in the last five. And it, it just goes to show that this team, as I've said it so many times, built on character, is not letting results like that phase them. So I really don't think it will make a difference for us, to us at all. We'll go there fresh-headed, ready for a tough away tie, and um, and then just see what happens. I don't think we'll be seeing another 5-0.
0: Is it the hope for Reading, though, uh, with your away form and your amazing home form at the Madstad, uh, if you must insist on calling it that, do you think it's at the Medeski that Reading will win it if you do?
5: Probably, yes. Yeah. Um, again, I've got, you know, the, the stats are just make this just such an interesting tie. You've got Reading, who are the second best at home in the league, versus Fulham, who are the second-best away in the league. So it's a, it's a really, really tough one to call. Fulham score a lot more goals than we do. That's the main thing we worry about. And provided we don't concede at home, I think that's where we'll win the tie. Uh, if we can get, you know, a, a two, even even better three goal cushion at home over you that could bode really well for, for us. You know we're at home second so we can always see what needs to be done after the away leg first but I think the key is not to concede I, obviously ideally not at all but not to concede more than more than one or two Um, over at the cottage if we we do that we're really going to struggle
0: Harvey I won't get you to make a prediction because I think it's all too tense and it's all too dramatic uh, to put you on the spot like that we'll see what happens Uh, best of luck to you hope you enjoy watching the two games and uh, may the best team win
5: thank you very much and the same to you sir
0: it's Fulhamish podcast Sammy James Farrell Monk and Jack Collins here at the beautiful Craven Cottage on Thursday afternoon in just 48 hours time lads ground's going to be filling up for that playoff semi-final first leg
1: buzzing uh, they've only just finished mowing mowing the beautiful pitch here it seemed to i seen i was like they're doing it so slowly and so meticulously they've got one mower and then another one follows closely behind i thought they weren't going to finish before the game
0: <laughs> it's like a carpet out there they've done an absolutely exceptional job on that pitch and I'm you can for a run out <laughs> there are a couple of balls in the nets, although I think there are too many cameras and people watching uh, for us to be able to get away with it. And actually, as we speak, uh, the two ground staff are taking down those very nets that I was talking about. So there goes our kickabout. Yeah, no
1: goals for me today. Obviously. Yeah, I'm not really wearing the right footwear as well. <laughs> <laughs> just putting it out there, I've scored a goal at Craven Cottage. Guys. <laughs> right, I've scored Sammy, a goal at
0: Craven right. Cottage, right in that spot, just there. It was offside. It probably was. It was honestly the worst goal of all time. I shinned it from a yard. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, so I've kind of asked how you see the game going, but what I haven't asked you is what lineup you would choose uh, for Saturday if you were of Okanavish. We obviously saw him make quite a few changes uh, for the Wednesday game. Uh, do you expect any of those changes to stay in place for Saturday, or do you reckon he's going to revert to the kind of striker system um, that proved so, so amazingly uh, in the few games before the end of the season where we really booked ourselves the place in the playoffs?
1: I suspect he'll probably revert back to using Chris Martin again. That's, really? that's, the, only, that's the only change I envisage that he does. I mean, it's not gonna be a huge surprise if he doesn't, but personally, I believe that he'll, he'll go with Chris Martin up top. And I think we'll just see the usual suspects around with, with the only one that I would say that might change is whether he plays Sessignon or Aite.
0: Mm, interesting would you pick chris martin though if you were Slav? Uh
1: difficult. i know you love
0: yourself as a football manager you're my manager <laughs> uh, of our 11 uh, aside football team you've got the credentials you've got the suit on would you pick chris martin
1: <laughs> less, less said about the results the better of that team yeah i know <laughs> um, <laughs> but i personally i think i would pick chris martin
0: okay interesting jack j collins i'm torn
2: on this one because i what much as i like Chris Martin up front I'm not 100% sure how you leave Niskan's Cabano out after his performance at Sheffield and I know it was against a weakened side and I know there wasn't anything riding on the game but Cabano was absolutely unreal um, and some of the, the touches and little tricks he, he did in, on, on Sunday were sublime and I, I'm not sure how you could leave him out of the starting lineup. so for that reason I'm going to maybe maybe leave Martin out and go with what Cabano up top Cabano up
1: top okay interesting You're handsome on the bench
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> the, and then, and then, who do you
0: have in the three behind uh, in that pocket? Obviously, it seems like Kenny is an absolute given in the number ten role. Uh, but how about on the left and the right? Because that has changed all season. Could to be Cessinovs is a Yite. To be honest, Piazzon, I play Yite out front. Okay. I play Yite
2: out front. Cabana on the left and Luca on the right.
0: Okay, interesting. And no place for Cess in the. No place for Sess for me. And not even at left-back?
2: No, definitely not at left-back. Of all the places he's (laughs) going to play. Also, uh, Cabano and Malone were excellent together on Sunday and really did link up well. And while Scotty Malone has many faults, which I'm not going to go into right now, he has played quite well uh, the last couple of games and has looked reasonably competent defensively, apart from dribbling across his own box. Um, I thought uh, it was a great piece of play. Has, has yeah. looked reasonably competent at left-back and has put up some really, really good runs. And I'm going to suggest that he keeps his place.
1: Yeah, I've got to agree. I, I mean, Malone has come into a bit of stick. I would say a little bit unnecessarily. I do think, I mean, he's, he's been a surefire starter the whole season by a few games. And um, the the reason why he's starting at left-back is, is no mistake. You know, it's not by accident that he's, he has held down that left-back position from strong competition from... A hugely talented Ryan Sessegnon. Um, I think he's done. I think he's done well defensively. I see him running up and down this left wing, right in front of me all day long, and he does well defensively and in attack. He's got an engine that will go all day long. His crossing has. It's a bit wayward. A bit wayward at times, <laughs> but when it hits the money, it's really good. You know that the reason why we do see some wayward crossing is because he does get the ball so often, and you know it's not going to hit the hit the man every single time, but. The fact is that he's doing well defensively and getting up in that forward positions and getting into positions where he's going to receive the ball and provide and score goals. That's really good for a left back. So we
0: envisage a lineup then, uh, roughly, along your lines, I'm taking it. So Marcus Bettinelli in goal. But Sammy, you told me you wanted David Button back. <laughs> Shh. Don't make up lies.
1: Now, now it's we're here. Do you want to take Ivan's job and you can do it here in goal? <laughs>
0: yeah, I could actually, <laughs> while he's not looking. Yeah. Um, so Mark's Bettinelli in goal, and then. <laughs> We can't have that for 11, Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take far too long. Uh, then we obviously so we have uh, Malone at left back and then probably Ream and Callas in the middle. Almost definitely, I don't know what I'm saying, yeah. probably. Uh, Fredericks come back in at right back, despite Dennis Adoy's very good performance at Sheffield Wednesday.
1: Yeah, but Fredericks might have to play a, a beater, so we can't, we can't deny him of that <laughs> opportunity <laughs> again. Um, I think I heard on the way up here that um, it's almost 99, well, 110% going to be Callas and... Rude, because both Sigurdsson and Medal might be out for Saturday.
0: OK, so there's not much provision at centre-back should one of them pick up a knock. Kevin McDonald loves it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then speaking of him, probably, uh, obviously, it'll be him and, uh, and Steph Joe uh, patrolling in front of the defence. And then this is where our lineups vary. Tom Kearney is a fairly standard one at number yep. 10. Um Jack, you've gone for Ayite up front uh, with Aluko and Cabano. Uh, Cabano on the left and then Aluko on the right. Uh, and Farrell, you've gone for Martin up top. And then yep. who would you have uh, in those wing-back positions? Sessegnon, you said, and Aluko.
1: No, I think I'd go uh, Ayite, and Aluko. Al- Ayite I, and Aluko. I feel like Aluko is a 100% right-winger. He's a, an absolute... Uh, he's one of the fulcrums of the team. I can't imagine that he would drop no. Aluko. Um, I think real the, the real position to look out for is the striker and the, the left, left wing, Both. and I would I would go with Aite and Martin up top.
0: Well, yeah. amazing that we have so many options, and we've spoken about it before. No that one's is... even
1: mentioned Piazon.
0: I did briefly say yeah. his name, but exactly. he has
1: fought, uh, well since he came back from injury. Not that he's a bad player. He, he even when slovic has had to chop and change it a little bit i can't i i can't remember when piazzona started apart from sunday he did quite well on sunday he was quite good yeah but i just, just i just can't find a spot for him unfortunately yeah.
0: well boys i've asked you about uh, what lineups you reckon i'm gonna give you a minute or two though uh, before i ask you your, for your predictions for saturday uh, in the meantime jack caught up with uh, an old friend of the pod
2: Yeah, we spoke to our friend David Preston at the Wizard Harry who um, was here at the Cottage with us and we had a little chat about what his thoughts were about Saturday's game. So I'm here with David Preston down at the Cottage and we're here discussing what's going to happen on Saturday, so welcome David, welcome back to the show, shall we say. Thank you Jack,
6: it's great to be here at the actual cottage itself, so yeah, awesome. Indeed, and you've been doing some
2: work with Skybet today, uh, recording at the cottage, you've been on the pitch.
6: Yeah, um, I'm not 100% sure where it's going to be distributed, but uh, I was just outside the cottage, It's a beautiful sunny day here. and. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome to be out there and just sort of picture what's going to come on, on Saturday. Definitely. And um, how do you think this one's going to play
2: out? What's your uh, immediate sort of reaction to, to the first leg against Reading?
6: I think it's a tough one because we have been not as good at home and they've been pretty decent away from home. But I think our recent climb in home form has, has been good. and. Putting form aside, it doesn't matter now, it's a whole new ball game, it's a cup tournament and the fact that we're at the cottage, which is going to be sold out, guaranteed, um, I think home or away, it's going to be good at home because of the fans and our form is great away from home.
2: So, Yeah, definitely, and you know, one of the things about facing Reading and coming through that game was that we didn't have to play at 12 o'clock on a Sunday. Evening kickoffs always mm. special down the cottage with the sun sort of setting in the background. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere on Saturday.
6: Yeah, 100%. I uh, saw the saw the time of the game, and I just thought, especially now this time of year, the sun's setting a bit later, so the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable on so set. I'm really looking forward to it.
2: definitely. And with our away form being so good and Reading's home form being so good, it's an interesting one we were discussing, you know, mm-hmm. with different people about whether it's maybe an advantage to have the second leg away from home, even if that means being in sort mm-hmm. of you know foreign territory, as you will.
6: Yeah, exactly. It's. I actually mentioned in the interview that I was doing with the lads before this, um, that our home form, uh, our home league position is is like mid-table and our away league performance is actually second. Um, So going into this, I almost thought it was an unfair advantage, like why would they do that, putting us at home first? And then I went back into the other fix I was like, oh, this is just the way it's meant to be. You yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, and the fact that there's no away girls rule as well, I think it's a huge advantage for us. We're going to be just as good at home as we are away because as bad as our home form was in the beginning, it's gotten so much better at the right time. So home and away, I think we're going to be equally as good.
2: Definitely. And I was interviewing Marcus Bertinelli on the website today about how when Brentford scored against Fulham, he heard mm. the entire Hammersmith end rule behind him and exactly. he was like, one of the best moments I've ever had in football. As in... Yeah. That's going to be such an advantage for us on Saturday evening, you'd
6: imagine. Exactly. I think if you look at the club from top to bottom, from ownership right down to the players to the fans, there's been this real togetherness uh, this season, um, so we've got our part to play on Saturday and uh, I know that we're all going to be there with our numbers and our voices. So. And if I had to push you for a prediction for Saturday's score? Uh, I think on Saturday, we will most likely keep a clean sheet. I think we'll score at least You're an goal. optimistic man. A I know, clean sheet I know, I know. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> OK, you've persuaded me. A two, <laughs> probably a 3-1 then. 3 I was going to say 2-0, no, but we'll say a two-goal difference
2: at 3-1. Uh, 3-1. Thank you very much for being back with us, David.
6: Thanks for having me. It's yeah. been awesome.
0: Interesting there then. David Preston, a friend of the pod, you'll recognise his voice. His very distinctive voice. Uh, from our Fulhamish phone in uh, about a month ago now. And uh, so many people said how much they loved uh, hearing uh, from David. So, as he was here today, we thought only right that we had to get him uh, back on the podcast. So, then, David said 3 1. I'm going to put you in the unenviable position. I'm not going to get you to predict the second leg. We're just talking Saturday here. Uh, and, Mr. Farrell Monk, I will start with you.
1: I'm going to go for a nervy 2 1 win. A nervy
0: 2 1 win. Thank God, way goals don't count. <laughs>
1: I'm going to go for a bold 4-1 win.
0: Goodness
1: me. We hate clean sheets. (laughs) (laughs) We don't do clean sheets. Um,
0: As ever, I feel like it's my natural position in the podcast. I'm going to go in the middle and I'm going to say 3-1 to Fulham. And I think that will be a terrific day's work uh, if we can go to the Medeski with a two-goal advantage.
1: A reem brace?
0: Oh, exactly. I'm actually thinking David Button's going to come off the bench and get all three. (laughs) I'm saying a
2: reem hat-trick followed by Ryan Fredericks, his first goal from the club from the spot.
1: <laughs> and, and who's this? Is it Ryan Tunnicliffe has been recalled? <laughs> <laughs> oh, one can only dream, Farrell. One can only dream. Well, thank you for listening
0: to today's Fulhamish Extra, uh, this extra special podcast that we've cooked up for you live from Craven Cottage. It's been an honour, actually, to present the podcast from Craven Cottage. It's been uh, quite surreal, uh, very enjoyable at the same time. Uh, We'll be resorting to normal ways on Monday back in the studio uh, for what will be a review of the Reading game and then a preview to the second leg of the Reading game. It will literally be the middle of the storm in between the two matches. The eye of the storm. The eye of that very storm. A playoff semi-final storm uh, that will get underway here on Saturday. If you're off to the game, enjoy it. If you're watching on the telly around the world, uh, then hopefully the boys will bring you the results wherever you are. Thank you for listening. Uh, Farrell and Jack, we'll see you both on Monday.
2: See
1: you later, Sam. See you guys.